Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, the Bucks attempt to get two quarterbacks ready for the regular season just got a little bit harder. The right side of their offensive line is decimated by injuries. We're going to tell you what that could mean Thursday and beyond. And the depth chart is out for the Bucks. We'll let you know if there are any surprises there. Meanwhile, the Rays, they finally trade Hedani Hechevarria to the Pirates. Another trade to the Pirates, this time for a minor league pitcher, Matt Selinger. And Mark Topkin also had a pretty good story about the Rays dynamic duo, Willie Damas and Jake Bowers. We'll get into that. And did you catch the four-hour and 39-minute baseball game between the Red Sox and Yankees that went just 10 innings? Well, Tom Jones says that's what's wrong with baseball. All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started on this podcast, I've got a fantastic offer and some exciting news as well. From Continental Wholesale Diamonds, it's going to make your special occasion unforgettable in more ways than one. First of all, at Continental Wholesale Diamonds, with a minimum purchase of $2,000, only for our listeners, you will receive a five-day, four-night cruise to the Caribbean for two on us. You pick the cruise line and you pick the destination to the Caribbean. It's unbelievable. Pack once and enjoy romantic fine dining and Las Vegas entertainment Every night, make sure to let Andy know that you heard it from Rick and Steve on Sports Day Tampa Bay. And if that weren't enough, since Continental Wholesale Diamonds is moving to a larger location in mid-September, they're getting ready with a massive two-day moving sale. That's right. They're cleaning out all the saves. There will be the lowest prices of the year. Everything must go so they won't have to move it. That's the whole idea, right? Special pricing and financing will be available during this unprecedented event which is happening Friday and Saturday, August 10th and 11th. Do not miss this epic moving sale at Continental Wholesale Diamonds, and do stay tuned for details about their new location in South Tampa. It will double the size of the current location. It's Continental Wholesale Diamonds, folks. It's where I shop. Remember to ask for Andy, and they're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. Okay, so Steve, as you know... um, no matter how hard we try to get away from uh, Jameis Winston's suspension and some of the problems that might cause. And we've talked about this a little bit, how, you know, it's hard really uh, for any team to get one quarterback truly ready to start for the NFL uh, regular season. I mean, you just, you have so much you have to do. And, And yes, you have 90 players and a lot of reps and a lot of practices and things like that. Um, But when you get to the games in the preseason games, like the Bucks have on Thursday in Miami, um, the key is that you want to make sure that you do everything you can in these preseason games to protect your starting quarterback. And that ranges from um, certainly in the first preseason game limiting uh, the amount of time that he plays and also making sure that you know you protect him and he plays with, uh, when he's on the field, that he's got the, the best offensive line, the starting offensive line, and typically the starting receivers and tight ends Uh, in the game with him. Uh, Well, that just became doubly difficult because we already know that that the Bucs 
because of the situation with Jameis, are going to have to try to really prepare two starting quarterbacks because, uh, you know, even though Winston is going to be suspended three games, this is a guy uh, you still have a lot invested in and you still expect him to come back and potentially, you know, finish up and, and play, you know, maybe start as many as 13 games. Uh, but what they've got going now with this offensive line uh, is not going to help that sort of task that they already were facing. And, and that is because their starting right tackle, we knew, DeMar Dotson, uh, really isn't, you know, he's still kind of, they're deliberately keeping, slowing down his recovery. He had two knee surgeries. He hasn't really even been involved in 11-on-11 practices yet. Uh, in, in periods in practice. So he's not going to play. And we knew that. That's not a surprise. But then Caleb Beninoct, who was supposed to start at right guard but also has played right tackle, he's been out since being injured uh, in uh, last Friday's practice. And then back up right tackle Leonard Wester, who would normally back up DeMar Dotson or Caleb Beninoct. He's been out the past week with an injury. And then get this, on Monday, Cole Gardner, another guy that uh, they've counted on to, to play tackle, uh, missed practice uh, with an injury on Monday. So just to just to repeat, I think it's uh, four of their five starting tackles, uh, essentially, or four of their five tackles. If you went down the depth chart, um, are going to be are going to be out as well as some guards. And so basically, you know, you're looking at uh, Brad Seaton, uh, who's sort of a guy that was on their practice squad for a little bit last year, former seventh round pick of the Titans, and Cole Boozer, who's an undrafted rookie from Temple. They're the guys now taking reps at right tackle with the starting offense on Monday. Um, so it's it's definitely something that has gotten the attention. Now there's you know there's virtually nothing they can do about it. They have to play the game. Also consider that you're already having to start a rookie guard, which is Alex Kappa, who has never played in an NFL game, and so he's he's on your first team offense. So it's uh it's problematic. And you know we talked to. Uh, Dirk Cutter after practice about the situation, about uh, sort of the rash of injuries on one side of the offensive line and how that affects the quarterbacks. And here's what he had to say. I would say it's injured. I'd say it's injury riddled right now. And uh, again, I don't think anything on the right side of our O-line is long term, but we've just gotten hit hard at that spot. I mean, we've got three or four guys that play on the right side of the line that are that are not practicing right now. So, you know, that, that just tests, that tests your depth. So we just we have to work through it. They'll all be back. They'll all be back before too long, and that'll, that helps those other guys get better. But in the meantime, we we got to tough it out. There's some other aspects to this we'll get into in just a minute. But uh, you know, Steve, I mean, look, the, the preseason is one of those. I, I really wish, in many respects, that they would go away from preseason games. I mean, to be honest, there's only one that really starters play very deep into anyway, and that's the third one. Uh, the fourth game it, they, it has become an absolute joke. It's a bunch of guys that will never play in the NFL. They typically, if if you even get a helmet that day, it means you're you're probably not going to make the team. Um, I wish they just go to joint practices and never uh, put these guys in positions of uh, of peril. But I guess we have to endure the preseason. It's it's funny because the NFL preseason gets ripped more than anything else, mm-hmm. and it, it and it gets destroyed. But no one complains about five weeks of spring training baseball. I know. I know. Now, and, and well, some of it is because they're charging full prices for those games instead of you're going to an exhibition game of baseball and the price is different and the stadiums are different. And it's, you know, so there's a different vibe to it because it's not like you're going to, you know, Atlanta Stadium or Philly or Washington. You're in Florida or Arizona and it's a whole different yeah. vibe and environment. 
Um, and it's the spring, and people come yeah. out of the winter, and it's they want you know yeah. they come down here and take vacation. Right. And, and you're not that. buying the tickets as part of your season ticket package. No, and you know forced to go to those games. Uh, right, you, you don't hear about it in hockey, and and I, was, I don't follow the NBA that much. Not hockey a has here, a really short preseason. Well, yeah, you're only though, playing three or four home games. You know, pre you right, know, and. You'll sprinkle your starters in. I mean, so your starters. Some of your starters will, you know, well, you, starters. Everybody plays in hockey. It's not really. It doesn't really matter who starts. Um, mm-hmm. But you're going to have guys playing every one of those games. You know, some. You know, Stephen Stamkos is going to play them all. He'll play two or three of them. And you know, it's not like you have guys that only play. You know, the first period and then stop playing. That's right. not the way hockey works. Is once you're in the game, you're playing the whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the NFL preseason gets ripped a lot, and and. I never understood. I mean, you know, if you don't like the product that's on the field, don't watch it. I mean, that's I always there's people that complain about it. now. If you're buying season tickets and you're forced to buy the games, that's that's a that's a valid argument. Fine, mm-hmm. but you know, a lot of these players are trying to make an impression to make a team, whether it's the one they're currently on or somebody else that may have a vacancy either on the roster or the 53 man roster, you know, or the practice squad, or you know, hey, we're keeping an eye on you for the future. Um, you know, so I think there's some value to it to those players. Whether four games are necessary in the NFL anymore, especially with the joint practices, which a lot of coaches prefer. Yeah, they do. You know, maybe maybe it's better to go to two games. Um, it's probably always going to be an even number, so that the number of home games stays the same for every team. But um, it, it's it's but, always know, been a fascinating argument of people that just complain about the preseason. Like, if you don't like it, don't watch it. Yeah, and well, and, and unless you're a season ticket holder and you're getting charged for yes, it, yes, yes, that part story. that part's a valid argument. And I think that's ridiculous on the NFL's behalf because you're, the product is not worth the price. Um, they're just trying to, you know, trying to to uh, embezzle basically the money. But here's the thing: the, I, in when, in many ways, the preseason games have become more important now than they ever were, and that is because. When they did a new CBA, mm-hmm. um, they limited the amount of time that players can even be in the facility in the offseason. They don't come in until like mid-April. You have no padded practices, essentially. I was going to say, it's the only time you can camp. really hit. You cannot put on pads and hit. And so when you think about football, uh, you think about the offensive and defensive lines. Everybody says that's, that's, that's the essence of football. That's where you win or lose in the trenches, and not much has changed. Well, guess what? Um, those guys can't even participate until you get to preseason games, essentially, uh, so this is this is their best their best look. So there's to me, it's it's even more critical. And also quarterbacks. I mean, you know, if you have a young quarterback, they can't come in uh, again like they used to um, in March, and 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 even like they used to have this thing called uh, quarterback school, where the quarterbacks would come in several weeks before training camp and just you know hit the chalkboard with John Gruden and. You know, and uh, you laugh, but it's, I tell you what, I was man. gonna bring that up. That's fine. That's <laughs> got the Gruden quarterback camp, man. You like this? What are you watching? What is this here? Um, you know, I used to, I used to love the quarterback school because I, I, that's that's what he did with his quarterbacks. You know, he'd get them out there and then a chalkboard and throw me why spider white two banana count chocula. You know that one? <laughs> so he would he would do that on the on the uh, on the on the chalkboard, but. Uh, but now you can't do that. So, you know, these, 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 I mean, imagine these young guys coming in here, these rookies, and, you know, their head spinning. They had OTAs. They had a little bit of rookie minicamp. They go away for four weeks and boom, you know, the, 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 the season's only four weeks away and they got to get all their reps and, and play against somebody else. And I don't care how many times I was talking to some, some of these young offensive linemen today or yesterday, 
and uh, and basically they were saying, um, you know, <laughs> we're really challenged every day because you know, you look up and here comes Gerald McCoy, and then you know there's Bo Allen, and there's Alex uh, or there's uh, JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, and then there's Vinny Curry, and so you know we're facing waves of great pass rushers all the time, but we're really kind of you know looking forward to having to react to different schemes, different players, guys you don't see every day. Uh, and so, you know, that's that's sort of why these preseason games, especially, again, for the young players, you know, a guy that's been, you know, in the league four or five years knows what to expect. So um, he really probably doesn't need it as much. But I think there's real value. And if you're, if you're one of these people that likes to see sort of how teams are put together, you know, like there's there wouldn't seem to be many spots on this roster – um, because, you know, they've had this regime in place now for four years and, um, you know, had some successful drafts, and so they have some core players. Um, but but there's always position battles, and if you're one of these sort of geeks that, you know, likes to see and, and predict who's going to make it or who's not, the preseason is, is kind of for you. Now, you're getting back to the offensive line for just a minute, um, you know, Everybody has said during this training camp with, with Winston's suspension that, of course, Fitzpatrick now is the most important player that they have, that they have to protect at quarterback. But the next most important guy uh, would, would seem to be, you know, Ryan Griffin, because as Dirk has reminded us, now Ryan Griffin is just one play away. Well, we, we just told you who's going to start on the number one offensive line. And so that means that Griffin's going in there against guys that normally – would be third and maybe fourth team guys, and now they're going to be your second squad, basically. Um, and if you remember, with respect to Ryan Griffin, it was just a year ago in the first preseason game, he was, you know, in a battle for the number two backup for the number two job behind Winston with Fitzpatrick, and he goes out there against the Bengals, and they're at that time their defensive end, I think, is with the Browns now. Chris Smith comes around the edge. Uh, and levels Griffin and smashes him. He stays in the game. A um, couple plays later, he tries to make a throw. It squirts out, you know, out of his hand, and he and he can't he can't make a throwing motion. Uh, and then, of course, they find out that, you know, basically he had a uh, he had a, a shoulder separation, AC joint um, sort of sprain, uh, and that was a young player. Again, it was Cole Gardner, who is somebody that's going to play. Uh, you know, we're supposed to play the other night or in a couple of days, and he was the guy that got whiffed, you know, and gave up the sack. So it only takes one guy getting beat, one guy that that's not going to make your team, uh, that can change the dynamics of the whole season. And so, uh, you know, this having to get two quarterbacks ready. Normally, you would say, okay, our starter's going to go a quarter. We're going to play him behind the number one offensive line, um, and and then you know, if Fitzpatrick gets hurt, so be it. Um, you know, Griffin will, will, will adjust, but you want to make sure you protect your main guy. Well, now they have two main guys, and that's all I'm saying is that this has really kind of confused things for him. So what's the answer? Well, the answer is Dirk Cutter doesn't throw the football. The answer is you, you make sure uh, that when you do throw it, um, you throw it, you know, when you want to and not when you have to. If you get behind the sticks – you're going to run a lot of draw plays <laughs> and a lot of screen <laughs> passes because you are not going to take a five- or seven-step drop and get your guy absolutely blasted back there. Uh, so I think Dirk is going to have to uh, play around his young offensive lineman because uh, at least early in the game, Miami's got a couple of guys 
named Cameron Rake and uh, Cameron Wake and Robert Quinn. Uh, they both can get after the passer pretty good. Yes, so, they can. You know that that would that would be that'd be tragic, man. You can't lose those guys, you know. So we'll see what they do, but I don't know. I it, it's it's weird, you know. Sometimes teams and none of these injuries are serious. Like no one's out for the season. They're just nicks and 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 stuff that's keeping them out of practice. But it, you, what you don't want is a football team. I always say this: like there's going to be a team this year, and it's probably already started that for whatever reason, at all positions, they'll just get like ACLs and guys will be out for the year. And be like, oh my, you're that team this year. You're the team that's snake bit. You're the team that's getting all these devastating injuries to starters. And then there'll be a team where the injuries will just be sort of located on one position. You know, like you might have all five offensive linemen down at once. Or, you know, you you might have all your cornerbacks. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. There's no rhyme or reason for why this happens. But it happens every year. And so, you know, right now, at least these are minor injuries, but it's sort of attacking the sort of the one weak area of their team, which is the right side of the offensive line, where you have DeMar Dotson, who you hope comes back. And then, um, you know, the plan was either Caleb Beninock or Alex Kappa, just depending on who wins the job. So that's what's going on. Okay. So they also put out a, uh, just real quickly, a depth chart. Which depth charts are not worth the paper they're written on. First of all, they only do them in the preseason because, for whatever reason, they're required. They're required to. Do you realize that there are degenerates that gamble on preseason football? Absolutely, there are. It's absolutely insane to do that. They probably, I mean, how would you? Where would you begin to know what what the, you know? There's, there's, there's apparently there's a spread for these games. Oh yeah, you didn't know that. I mean, I kind of has did, been for like, years. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not a gambler myself, but it's insane though, in a way, to think that like I wouldn't want to even have a handicap. How do you handicap something if you don't know, for example, how long someone's going to play, or um, I don't know. It's just preseason, you know. Some teams show things. Scott Some Van Pelt had bad anything. beats about NFL preseason games. I mean, yeah, exactly. That's right, bad beats, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that, and because of the close. Uh, affiliation with gambling that is the popularity of football <laughs> that the NFL never admits um, they're required to put out a depth chart but as teams normally do um, you know the the depth charts in preseason mean absolutely nothing I mean if you look at the Bucks depth chart Jameis Winston is your starting quarterback well we know he's not going to start the first three games so for this game there's no way you would list him as the starting quarterback um, but that, in fact, is is what he is, and 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 so what they do early on is they defer to veterans, right? Um, you know, you're going to have Vernon Hargraves and Brent Grimes. You're going to have, um, you know, Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson are listed as their starting receivers. Um, they list two tight ends, which would be a strange maybe formation, but maybe what they'll end up doing. Maybe one of the tight ends will be playing tackle. He could be. They both both uh, Brate and Howard are listed as starters. So this is sort of what came out in the depth chart. And, uh, um, you know, again, no, nothing that uh, jumps out as odd or unexpected. Um, but it's also not something you can really take to the bank either. They're just, they're just there because the league requires them to put them out. So Tom Jones is uh, going to be on this show this week. In fact, we'll have him, uh, what, to- tomorrow, I think it yes. is? Yeah. Yes. We'll have him tomorrow. And then a mailbag uh, on would be Thursday. Correct. Wednesday or Thursday? Yeah. Thursday, yes. Right before Thursday, the preseason yeah. game. 
That's correct. We're setting up the preseason game. We'll have your mailbag questions. So you can always send those and submit those to us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. Um, but Tom, you know, uh, wrote a column. And I, did you happen to catch this? And I will admit, um, I, I like watching the Yankees and the Red Sox play. I think it's a good rivalry. Uh, the Yankees were, you know, sort of desperate to uh, not get swept on Sunday Night Baseball when they were playing Boston, who's going to win about 152 games. Um, it's, it's one of the best Boston teams that ever existed, if not one of the best baseball teams. And David Price was on the mound against the Yankees, and that certainly affects the slow pace of play because David does nothing fast, um, especially pitch. But but this game was 4-1, to one, Steve, when I made the conscious decision in the ninth inning to turn it off. <laughs> yeah, we had it on while we were taping the podcast last night. And we were, and we went late, and we mm-hmm. it was still on. I was yes. shocked when I went yes. downstairs. I'm like, wait a minute, this game's still going. It was a ninth inning, but I said, you know what? They're not coming back from three down. Well, boy, was I wrong. And and Tom, Tom used this as an illustration to show that, uh, as he says, baseball is broken. Um, this game, and of course, the Red Sox and the Yankees typically play long games anyway. That's just kind of what they do. Um, uh, even though they had a game that lasted about two and a half hours in this series. But this one, this one was special. And the weird thing is it, it only went 10 innings. Um, it, but it started at, uh, it started around 8 o'clock, 8.10. And as Tom notes, that it took the first three innings took more than an hour. Uh, and then you had, uh, you know, by the fourth inning, um, who was the pitcher? Masahiro Tanaka mm-hmm. and, and David Price had combined to throw 144 pitches. That meant... Uh, there, and there's about 30 seconds between pitches. So that meant, according to Tom's math, that there were 72 minutes when the only thing going on was a pitcher not throwing but holding a baseball. <laughs> Think about that. Over an hour, like 72 minutes of a guy just standing on a mound going, okay, will you do something? And and so, you know, of course, the game continued on and uh, the Yankees had a 4-1 to lead. And then, of course, the Red Sox – Mounted their their uh, stunning rally, and then you know, the game uh, they they tied the game they tied the game at twelve twenty six a.m. So it already lapsed into the next day, mm-hmm. um, and then of course uh, they wound up uh, winning it, but uh, it ended at twelve forty nine in the morning. So again, if you're Major League Baseball and you're watching this. And you have these two storied franchises and a great pennant race, although it's not so great because the Red Sox are running away with it. Um, and you're trying to capture the young fan, or you're trying, you know, to keep your game alive. Find ways. And this this slow rolling monster uh, goes until one o'clock the next morning. How many young people do you think are watching this game? Well, you yeah, and it's it's and Tom brings it up in his column. It's not about the length of the game, though. It's the pace of the game. The pace, yes. You know, one of the things, you know, we talked about a little bit yesterday, but for instance, and I started keeping track, because you and I were texting during the, the Rays game yesterday with the White Sox, mm-hmm. and the first three innings took 80 minutes, an hour, 20 minutes, for three innings. There was 15 balls put in play that someone had to either either got a base hit or someone made a play, a pop-out, a, a, you know, a single maybe, or a grounder. That's over five minutes between a ball and play. Almost six minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and you, know, you know, football, you know there's going to be a snap every 40 seconds. Right. And there's going to be a hit and there's going to be something to re- – you know, one of the things baseball and television has a problem of is 
Okay, you're going to replay that ball that was two feet outside again? Oh, I How know. many times I between know. that th- when that pitcher takes 30 seconds? I mean, I'm all for the pitch clock that they've got in the minor leagues. And I know the players' union fights it. But the pace of yeah. play. I don't. I'll, I'll... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's a, co- there's a college football game. There'll be a few of them every year that'll go four over four hours. And most college they games go, are supposed to go three, they, three and a half. But, yeah, they but go if it's exciting and, and there's tons yeah. of, you know, especially you watch some Big 12 games that may take a long time, but they're marching up and down the field. It's exciting. You don't care how long the game is. It's are you entertaining me? Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, this is entertainment. And that's why they command the prices they do and the players make the money they do. It is about sport, but it's also about entertainment. You know, and, you know, there's the whole argument, too. And, and this kind of delves into it, but baseball's problems of, you know, the commissioner sitting there saying it's, it's, you know, okay, Mike Trout needs to market himself better. But the other problem baseball has is Mike Trout gets to the plate four times a game over three hours. That's right. He's up every 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Your, stars don't, your stars don't impact the game enough. He's playing the outfield, and yeah. he does a hell of a job at that. But he's a right, phenomenal he's outfitter, and he'll make a couple catches a game. But yeah, but most of them are going to be routine. There'll be maybe one or two spectacular a game, right? Right. So let's say, let's say of any substance, he's touching, he's you know impacting the game six times a game over three hours. Right. It's a that's problem right. with the, the way the sport is built too, and and that's that's a bigger problem to fix than say a pitch clock and and getting the ball you know to the plate more often, more frequently, more faster. Yeah, but I mean, baseball has. And I'm not disagreeing with you, but. You're not. I mean, baseball, Ray. Uh, it's you know, it, it's marched on. Um, well, and you, look, I, you and I both, and Tom says the same thing. We all love baseball. We love the game. I would say this. You mentioned the clock, okay? Um, every sport you just mentioned has a clock. The, mm-hmm. M- the NFL has a play clock. The NBA has a shot clock. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, even college basketball, where Dean Smith was famous for just going into the four corners when he when he had like a twenty-one to mm-hmm. twenty lead. Uh, they changed the rules because they were like, this is boring, boring. Mm-hmm. So what's wrong with a pitch clock in baseball, really? You know, if they think that that is – now, you know, you know, in the case of these two guys working the other night, you know, they were like frozen molasses out there. Mm-hmm. Uh but I don't and know they're that notorious that's always for it. They're, those guys they're are notorious. notorious. Not every pitcher is. Those two are right. very bad at it. So if that if that was the biggest factor in that game that you had two guys that just wouldn't let the baseball go, then I think that's the perfect answer, you know, because you probably could have shaved 30, 30 minutes off that game. Um, I don't know that that's the case with every pitcher, but I'm willing to no. find out because sometimes it's the batter that's stepping out, you know. And well, and there are there this. are rules against that now that I've never really right. Seen You're supposed it to forced. stay in a box, but who's who's called a guy out yeah. or a strike? Now I don't if, know how if, many you know times the umpire has told a guy, "Hey, you do it again." I'm sure. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's more of that than we know about going on. I would hope, as far right. as that goes. But yeah, I mean, it's right. it's 
you know, the, look, the, two things have changed. The, the 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 two things that have changed the most. There's been a couple, but what? But but among the things that have changed the most in baseball that has caused this, in my opinion, is that pitchers now have to throw. They're all they're they're all power pitchers now. No one really mm-hmm. pitches; they just throw. And so I have some friends who have sons, uh, and even when my son played baseball, you know, and played uh, AAU ball for a little bit, um, you know, the whole you know the whole speech by these coaches to these moms and dads were, "Give me your son. If I can make him throw ninety by the time he's eighteen, he'll get a college scholarship." Well, now it's, "Give me your son." And if he's throwing mid nineties, he can get drafted, but not low nineties. You know, you realize low nineties doesn't get you drafted very high anymore. No, nope. they want to see somebody who consistently can bang ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven. That is the biggest change. I, I, I mean, you know, growing up loving baseball, seeing all the greats, there was very few. Nolan Ryan, when he threw hundred miles an hour, was was you know, front page. You know, mm-hmm. a story across the nation. A guy named J.R. Richard could do it. But you could name the number of players who could top 100 miles or get near 100 miles an hour, uh, you know, on two fingers usually. And nowadays it seems like every team has four or five guys that can come out of the bullpen and absolutely throw it. The first guy comes out in the sixth inning, he's throwing 96. The next guy comes out in the seventh, he's throwing 97, 98. The next guy comes out in the eighth, he's throwing 99. Then they bring in – a guy like Chapman the other night who's throwing 100 in the ninth inning, you know. So it's crazy. So that leads to what? Strikeouts. Lots of strikeouts. Lots of walks and lots of strikeouts. And then you flip it over and you look at what the different change in the hitting philosophy is. You know, the strikeout, because these guys are power pitchers, no longer has a negative connotation. It's apparently fine to strike out. No one's trying with two strikes to just make contact, mm-hmm. to put pressure on the defense, um, no, you know what they're trying to do? They're going to swing three times, and they're going to swing as hard as they can yep. all three times. Well, the other part and of the, that is because the hitters are predominantly trying for home runs. The pitchers right. are scared of getting a home run hit off them, and so they're nibbling and they're nibbling, and, and that's yeah, what's leading attack. the walks up. The walks, that's correct? You know, and, and from an offensive standpoint, you're going to give me a walk, great. But how exciting is a walk? Unless the bases it's are not, loaded and you're walking in a run, that, then it's exciting. But beyond that, it, yeah. Well, it's not exciting, and it doesn't help your team win. You know, you, know, you, know, you don't have team. Greg Maddox that says, "I'm going to throw it here. I'm going to I'm going to pitch nine pitches this every inning because you're going to hit it, and it's going to hit it right to where my fielders are, and yep. we're going to get out of the inning." Is is it's I got to strike this guy out, otherwise I'm I'm not going to get out of this inning. And so they're you know that's what they're they're shooting for a strikeout almost every at bat instead of you know I got a shift behind me. I've got great defenders behind me. Let me just pitch it, keep it in the yard, and. We'll we'll be fine, and they don't. That's not the way pitchers pitch anymore. No, and guys don't even take walks. I mean, look, they're all you know. In my day, you tried to move the baseball when you had two strikes on you. These guys will swing as hard or harder with two strikes, and and with an upward you know lift to try have that to get the ball angle. in the air. Gotta have that launch. It's angle. all about the launch angle and about trying to get the ball in the air, which is counterintuitive to every way that the game has been played for years and years. And so you know they. You want to do something to help baseball, but what has happened is they've changed the game. You know, the players and the philosophies have evolved to make this, you know, sort of the stagnant, you know, 
game that it's become. Well, it's a it's home a run shame. or nothing game almost anymore. Totally. The Rays are kind of different walk. from that this year, but most teams are home run or nothing. Right. And look at the ballparks. You know, you don't see these spacious ballparks uh, with big power alleys and, you know, because they build a team like the Cardinals who can run. You know what I mean? These ballparks are getting smaller and smaller. They're becoming launching pads. Uh, and they're never going to go the other way. I can assure you of that. You know, nobody's going to say, hey, let's let's run our way to, you know, the most runs in the majors. It's all about the big boppers. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't, I mean, I don't watch a whole game. I rarely will watch a whole baseball game because I can't, I don't have the time commitment. It's just really weird. It's like, and I know the Yankees and Red Sox played a game the other day that was two hours and 15 minutes. I'd rather see a game where there was few balls put into play as long as the pitchers are throwing strikes and, and working quickly and getting, getting, you know, getting through the innings. Um, but this, this other stuff is, it is. And I'm a, and I'm a, I'm as big a fan as you are, Steve. I don't know what the answer is, but I, I, I tend to think that a clock might help something. I, I, I'm a big proponent of the clock. Um, I, you know, I know there's proposals out there of starting with a one, one count. I don't like that one. I don't like that. That's not baseball. Um, I'm, uh, you know, I, I I tend to think more radically as a as a rule. I'd be okay mm-hmm. with getting rid of the DH and the pitcher batting and only have eight batters, so that the players are batting more often. That's not bad. I mean, you know, so if Mike Trout's your number three hitter, he's going to get up. You know, you're you're always guaranteed three at bats, but if you only have eight, you're guaranteed four now at bats a game, and probably going to get five or six. Hmm. You know, let's let let's let our best players hit more often. Right. You know, so you've got eight fielders, not counting your pitcher. So let's get rid of the DH, get rid of the pitcher, batting, and let's do that. Let's How do you feel about like? And I I don't I'm not disagreeing with you because I kind of I I, I kind of understand what you're doing there, and I and I don't dislike it necessarily, except that eight versus nine hitters seems like a pretty radical change. Well, it is. It will never happen. It's radical. But yeah. let's let our stars, let's let Mike Trout, Bryce Harper. Rather see him hit, yeah. Let's let them bat more often. Mm. The problem with it, and, and baseball, as you know, is so steeped in these numbers. You know, what would the numbers mean? These numbers mean nothing anymore, you know. Um, well, they, are, they so, already said, you know, Barry Bonds' numbers don't mean anything. I mean, true. they've already said half these numbers don't mean anything based on whether it's steroids or medicine or juice baseballs or, what you know, you name it throughout history of baseball, there's always that. I mean, yes, it's never going to happen because they're so steeped into we can't change anything ever. Purists, yeah. Um, but, you know, quite frankly, in you know, that's I'd rather see – look, do I want to see – Oh, you know, you name the, the, you know, very few teams have a permanent DH anymore. You know, there, there's a handful. The Rays are, you know, do I want to see G-Man Choi bat more or would I see Matt Duffy bat more often? Yeah. If I'm the Rays. I'd rather see Matt Duffy have more at-bats because he's a really good hitter. You know, yeah, it'll no. never happen. But those are the kind of things I think baseball needs to look at. And whether it's that or, uh, you know. Well, let me ask you this, because, I mean, I grew up, you know, playing a lot of amateur ball, and it wasn't until I got to, you know, play American Legion, really. We always played seven innings. Um, now, you know, may, <laughs> the way the Rays attack it, you would never have a starting pitcher. You'd always have an opener with just seven innings. And there are teams that once you get past the fourth, they got you locked down. Yeah. <laughs> but but still, is, do we need the extra two? I mean, baseball is played at the at the minor level. All the way through high school, mm-hmm. it's a seven inning. It's a seven inning game. You know, the seven innings is it definitely will be shorter, 
Yeah. It does nothing to fix pace of play. No, that's correct. I mean, your pace can still be just as slow. And if you're going to have the same roster be. size, geez, you're going to start having yeah. pitching changes. You know, no pitcher is going to go more than an inning or two. True. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm open to I'm open to personally I'm open to looking at anything because I mean I love baseball, and sure you know stats and the history and all that is important, but times change and the game can change too. Right. I just I don't think that. Uh... I think they're more likely to take away the shifts than they would do anything. You know what I'm saying? And they actually have discussed that. Now, I don't think that necessarily speeds up the game per se. It may give you more hits. It's not. No, it it's definitely give, not going to speed it, up the game. It's it could definitely give you not more action. It could give you more action that yeah. that isn't strikeout home run because um, a lot of balls that are hit would 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 go through, uh, and then you'd have more base runners and then potentially more mm-hmm. scoring, which every sport you know seems to be after. So. Uh, I think they're more leaning that way, although I don't know. It's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a crutch because you're not you're not making players adapt to, you know, hitting to all fields as opposed to giving into them. You know yeah. what I mean? I also hate the uh, replay system in baseball. It's terrible. After every close play, it's okay. Hold on, wait thirty seconds, yeah. forty seconds. Yeah, what is that? Um, you should either have to you yeah, should either have I to agree. review it or not. If you're going to do it, reviewing yeah. the review. I, I'm I'm for eliminating all replaying sports because it's awful. The World Cup got it pretty close with VAR because right. it really didn't hinder the game that much. It was really quick in this. Tennis right. has it perfect, but granted, it's a different thing. It's just it was the ball in or out, yeah, and it's quick. But the rest of sports has hosed up replay so badly it's awful. Uh, you know, baseball. It's, hold on, let's wait forty seconds. Oh yeah, yeah they we should wanna, not be allowed. We want to challenge it. Then the umpires, the umpires then come in put the headsets right. on and then they and do the replay for a minute or two and then afterwards they'll they'll announce it and then the press the time of delay was one minute and 42 seconds well no it was really three and a half minutes because you didn't count the 40 seconds they waited to decide whether they were going to do that and then the time for the umpires to walk in and then walk back to their positions and get play started again they don't tell you that time of delay they tell you how long the headsets were on yeah no i agree and then the other thing is that the technology is such that i don't think that replay was intended for a Subruder like uh, analysis of a guy's finger coming off a bag when he's been sitting on it for 12 seconds before the guy tagged him. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't like that play either. You well, know? and the other problem I have with replay, too, I agree with you there. The other problem I have is that the, the goal of replay is to get it right, correct? Yes. So if you're going to have replay, why are some things not reviewable? Well, they say that about football, too. Uh, no, you know, I know. I mean, all sports. Like, I'm not talking just baseball. Yeah. I'm talking all sports. Why is yeah. certain things not reviewable if the goal is to get it right? Sure. I mean, in football, a holding penalty is as or more devastating than anything else you could do that is reviewable. Mm-hmm. But they don't review it. John Gruden used to say, here I am with John again. I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> I don't review every play, you know what I mean? I review, review the holding. What about the holding call right there? That's not a big play. You know, but it is. It's and When you look about it, when you think about it, like a penalty, you know, that, that they get away with or that they commit that's not called – that's cheating. <laughs> that's that's a huge play. You mm-hmm. know what I mean. So it changes games. It's, you know, I I get it. I think yeah, the the technology is there, so they feel like they have to use it, but it's not being applied well, and it is too slow. And and I at minimum, you're right, Steve. You hit on something that annoys me. It's like it should be like okay, you have ten seconds to throw that red flag. Mm-hmm. You know, in football, uh, or we're moving on. None mm-hmm. of this. 
signal for like binoculars or whatever the hell they're doing. Yeah, we're calling with their back eyes. to the, we're and, calling back to the clubhouse where they've got the yeah. you know, the machines and they're rewinding it, going, uh yeah. And so yeah, they look at the replay first. We gotta have the replay delay to see if we're gonna actually have a replay review. It's just not good. No, it's a it's a it's a bad look all the way around. Yeah, I just I'm I'm I've I've been over replay for years personally, and it's not that I'm opposed to replay, but it's been instituted so poorly in every sport that it hit. You know, the other thing is with replay too, is now every every exciting close play, it's yay! Oh, hold on, <laughs> we take away the cheers. I know, right? Hold on, and. And and now and then you wait two minutes to figure out. Okay, that was a catch. Yes, that was good. And uh, then there's you know. the eruption for the replay, <laughs> which is so weird. That that joy it's, of that joy of we just hit a big long pass, a long ah, touchdown, or, or a, a diving yeah. catch in the outfield. We're not sure if he caught it or right. sco- it's, it, you. Now it's like it causes, yeah yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, hold on. It causes more stress. It's every, like that, everyone it's, watches the scoreboard. Yeah, it's just it's a stressful. <laughs> I can't I can't yell. Like just there's no releasing i have to be nervous all the time you know what i mean like you want to release man you want to go out there and just let it rip you know the team does something great scream instead you got to be you got to be nervous but like i said <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm i'm for replay if it could be instituted properly it just hasn't been in any sport that i've seen yeah. not of the not of the major ones you know we talk about every day baseball football hockey basketball it's awful you know, basketball. Yeah. We got to re- we got to review every play in the final two minutes for a tenth of a second difference of, you know, yeah. when the ball went out of bounds. I mean, come on. Yeah, we got no, we got to wait three minutes to figure out. We need to add tenth of a second back on the clock. Yeah, that one's tough. That one's tough. Well, we've just destroyed replay. We've changed baseball. We've got a lot done tonight. Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't where we expected to go, but what the heck? No, but it was good. Uh, I mentioned before uh, when we started the podcast. Check out. Mark Tompkins' story in, on TampaBay.com uh, about uh, the Rays and their young uh, duo there with Willie Adamas and Jake Bowers. Those guys have been together for a long time coming up through ball. Um, they root for each other. They know each other very, very well. They're different, to say the least. But uh, those are, you know, I can see those two being the cornerstone, the superstars. A little like maybe, you know, I don't know, Rizzo, you know, in with the Cubs and whomever you would pair him with. Maybe Bryant. I mean, Bryant came later. But, I mean, there's been, you know, we've seen before where two players, um, you know, that come up at the same time can uh, can set a, set a tone and, and carry the team. And I think I think this is where their future lies with guys, um, you know, like Adamas and Bowers that uh, we're going to get to watch grow up and, uh, and, and play in the majors. And, and it's going to be fun in a few years to see just where they're at in terms of their leadership and um, and production. So good story about Mark Tompkins in the Tampa Bay Times. Make sure you check that out. Uh, we got one more day of training camp. This is it before uh, the Bucks will have a, a little walkthrough on Wednesday. So they practice today. They'll have a walkthrough on Wednesday, and then they get on a plane and fly to Miami. Can you believe it? The preseason is here for the Bucks. They'll play Thursday night, 7-10 kickoff, I believe, uh, against the Miami Dolphins. And so – um, I'll be down, about down there for that as well. We would love to uh, have the uh, the mailbag um, this week later. We're going to talk to Tom Jones probably tomorrow on the show, but uh, you can begin to submit your mailbag questions anytime. You can do that uh, at SportsDayTB on Twitter. You can reach me at NFL Stroud or my email address, rstroud at tampabay.com. And I have a always, question for uh, you now. Were you one of the marchers uh, supporting Urban Meyer in Columbus? <sighs> Yeah, I forgot all about that. Um, 
I was not, you know, they made it sound like this was a huge deal. Like they were, oh, look at all the people around the big horseshoe. Well, first of all, this is a stadium that holds 100,000. I believe I saw the crowd estimate at 200. Um, now, it's embarrassing for a lot of reasons. Um, I think these people are zealots more than anything. But uh, some of the signs were actually kind of funny and stupid. Um, they were blaming anything from ESPN. It's interesting. ESPN is taking blame for this scandal for firing Brett McMurphy, which somehow inspired him to do this. Well, it gave him all the time to investigate. He gave him a lot yeah. more time to investigate this than right. So they're nothing, mad at he had ESPN. Nothing better to do. Yeah, they're mad at ESPN. Like, if you hadn't fired this guy, he wouldn't be out there banging the bushes for news. And by the way, Urban used to work for ESPN. I know he did. Yeah. And may may soon again, as it turns out. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, I don't, and we've addressed this before, and Tom wrote a column about it. it there is, there comes a point where people just sacrifice all sanity um, to root and pull for their guy and for their team, and I guess that's what's going on at Ohio State. Well, and, and you know, at the end of the day, like with anything, it's we still don't know everything. You know, no. we, we know Courtney's claims. We know Zach Smith says he d- hasn't done it. We know Urban now knew about it and has pushed it up, assuming he's telling the truth in a statement. So, But we don't know everything that's gone on yet. So, you know, whether he's going to lose his job or should or will is still to be determined, and we're going to know in the next 14 days what Ohio State thinks about it. Or yeah, what I, I like the way, by the way, on that, they, they, you know, Ohio State announces that they're going to have a complete and thorough investigation and we'll know in 14 days. I mean, wait a minute. If it's complete and thorough, how can you predict how long it will take? Right? No, that's true. So it makes no sense. It's like, no, no, no. This is going two weeks. Well, and I no guess the football than, season no starts in three weeks, so we need exactly. we're gonna we're gonna know before we you know. We're gonna make a determination regardless. Yeah, come hell or high water, but it's not complete and thorough if you have a timetable. I'm just saying, like that that is incongruent to me. That uh, unless does not unless make sense. they pretty much already know. Well, yeah, but I mean, if, if they are, if they are pretty much already know what Urban's done, what Gene Smith's done, what everybody else has done, and where they're leaning, then maybe. Well, they don't wait two weeks. Well, well, they said they said up to fourteen days. It may be sooner than that. Yeah, I mean, you know, they you know what I mean? Though they could it announce it later weird. this week, or early next week, but yeah, it just but, seems kind of weird to me. But the other part of saying two weeks is stop asking us questions. Well, sure, <laughs> and we've closed Go practices. Home. And Go home. Our student-athletes are not unavailable because they need to focus on their studies. Oh, wait, school hadn't started yet. Um, but maybe it will soon. So I don't know. Anyway, um, again, good show. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. And as always, Steve, we, we still want people to rate and review this podcast and tell them about where, uh, if they like to advertise, they can uh, do that as well. Now, first of all, you, know, you can get this podcast anywhere you get podcasts, through iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or any third-party app. Just do a search for Sports Day Tampa Bay. Hit the subscribe button, and it'll download your device every day. And then if you uh, like those uh, the, the shows or if you share it with a friend, that helps us even more. And, of course, if you'd like to advertise on the show, much like Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds has done for a while now, um, you can reach Monica Boyer. She's our sales manager in charge of that. Her number is 813-957-0836, 813-957-0836. Zero eight three six, and if you don't remember that, just reach out to Rick or myself on Twitter or through email, and we'll get you hooked up. 
And make sure you go see our friends Annie at Continental Wholesale Diamonds in addition to the cruise for two if you spend $2,000, five days, four nights to the Caribbean, cruise line of your choice, destination of your choice. You also want to stop by because they have their uh, moving sale. They are moving to a new location, and that will be uh, this Friday and Saturday. Everything slashed. Uh, they're cleaning out the safe. They want to get rid of everything so they don't have to move it. That's where you're going to make incredible deals. So go see our friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Tom Jones joins the show with us tomorrow. Always a good time with Tom, so make sure you tune in for that. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. For Steve Versnick, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.